get all situated here. All right. And I don't know if I have, if I, do I have a slide up already or do I need a, let's see. Make sure we get all this tech working. There we go. That's the picture I wanted to see. Okay. Well, again, uh, my name is Peter. Along with my wife, Rachel, and our five children, we are the Dell family, and we are empowering the storytellers of the world to become church-planting pastors in the villages and communities where they live through the Ministry of Oral Learners Initiatives. Now, I'm going to start off. You, uh, you saw my kids, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them. Uh, Zeke is our oldest. He is 11 years old, and he is very creative. Uh, he likes to make things, and he loves robots and engineering. And, uh, you know, he just really enjoys being a big brother, and uh, he's just so much fun to have. Uh, and so our next son, Kai, he's 8 years old. He is very friendly and outgoing. He likes making new friends. Um, and uh, we and our family, we really enjoy the Lego Star Wars uh, shows. So he is an avid star, uh, Stormtrooper fan. He loves Star Wars Stormtroopers. So he's got the mask, he's got costumes, he's got figures, uh, he's got books. He just thinks they're the coolest thing ever. So uh, when you see him, if you, if you ask him questions about Stormtroopers, he'll probably uh, be your new best friend. Um, our next son, Isaiah, he is six years old, and uh, he is passionate about dinosaurs. So if you want to connect uh, with a little guy about dinosaurs, talk to Isaiah. He loves them. He'll tell me things about different facts and things. He'll be like, hey, Dad, what dinosaur is this? And I'll be like, um, it's a something asaurus. No, no, Dad, it's a Stygimolex. Stygimolex. Got to remember that one. So, you know, just he's really into dinosaurs, and so he, he really enjoys that. We actually got to go to the St. Louis Zoo this week and see the, the dinosaur exhibit there, and he thought it was really cool that, you know, they sprayed water on you and all this fun stuff. So uh, we had a good time. Now, Zephy, he's three years old, and he, he's just very inquisitive. Uh, he's the, the first of our little boys that really likes to get into things and tear things apart. So he's really good at taking things apart. He's just not very good at putting things back together yet. So we're working on that. He'll get there. Um, but he, he's just uh, a lot of fun. And uh, he, <laughs> he has two volumes, which is like silent and loud. So if you heard him earlier this morning, he, his, his voice carries very well. Uh, but he, he's, he's also a lot of fun. Uh, our youngest, Tirza, um, she is about 19 months old. And she just loves to laugh and smile and play with her brothers. And her brothers just uh, adore playing with her. She is a lot of fun and brings a lot of joy uh, to our family, which is great because her middle name is Joy. So an easy way to remember her name is Tears of Joy. So um, because we, we technically mispronounce her name. Um, the Hebrew pronunciation is Tirza, but we kind of like Tirza better, so we just tell people, just think Tirza Joy, and you can mispronounce her name with us correctly. So, <laughs> but that's Tirza. Um, and then uh, a little bit about Rachel and I. Now, even before Rachel and I were married, we both had a passion for missions and a passion for seeing God change people's lives. Now, God gave Rachel a heart not only for missions, but also for teaching children, and she was an elementary school teacher for a number of years before uh, we started having kids. And shortly after we were married in 2004, God led us into full-time missions work. 
Now, currently, Rachel keeps very busy with uh, homeschooling the, the three older boys while trying to keep Zephy from tearing everything apart, and now from tears of wandering off and getting into everything now that she's walking. Um, so she's got her hands full. But in addition to that, Rachel is also the volunteer chapter director for MEND in southwest Missouri. Now, MEND stands for Mommies Enduring Neonatal Death. This is a support group for families who have lost children to uh, still, or miscarriage, stillbirth, and early infant loss. So God has used our own painful uh, experience with our stillborn daughter, Grace Catherine, in 2008, and our miscarried daughter, Rose, in 2014, to help bring hope and healing to these other families that are experiencing that unimaginable pain of losing a child. Now, I'd like to share with you something that, when I learned this, it, it really shocked me. Now, would you believe me if I told you that there's a group of people that we don't want to see get saved? Now, when I first heard that, I was like, why, why wouldn't we want people getting saved? I mean, that's the whole purpose, is to see people get saved. But as I learned more, I, I learned that, in reality, there's been a mighty revival among the Roma gypsies in Europe. But the problem is there are not enough missionaries, pastors, and trained leaders to properly disciple all of these new believers. And so I, you know, that's, that can be an issue because without proper discipleship, things like heresy can be brought into the church, false teachings, uh, things uh, from their past religious experiences can be brought in and can really mess up uh, really what they're believing and, and what they're teaching and what's growing and can cause major problems in the church and in the lives of these believers. And so we need good, proper discipleship. And that's why Jesus told us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, not go and make converts of all nations. And so as I saw this need uh, with the Roma people, I was thinking, man, you know, we've, we've got to do something. We've, we've got to help them, but, but what can we do? And that's really where, where God kind of reminded me of, of how uh, my story of missions really began. So in 2013, uh, or sorry, when I was 13, not 2013, <laughs> when I was 13 years old, uh, God placed a call uh, of missions on my life. And when I responded to yes, I said, yes, God, I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do. Uh, I asked him, well, what, what is it that you want me to do? And the answer was really surprising uh, when I felt like God was telling me that he wanted me to do something in missions that no one else had ever done before. So how do you prepare yourself to do something that no one's done before? How do you prepare yourself to, to do something in missions that's completely different? Well, fortunately, uh, I had people that were encouraging me, and, and I just followed the passions of my heart, and I learned about communications technology and uh, missions while in college and seminary. So over fifth, for over 15 years, we have served in missions, pioneering technology to maximize the reach of the message of God's love through the Internet with Network 21.1. Now, at the beginning of 2020, God used the story of the Roma people to direct us to join the team with Oral Learners Initiatives. Now, we are continuing to pioneer uh, unique technology and to develop these tools and trainings to empower believers to follow the call of God on their life to be leaders. And soon, more Roma believers will have the training they need to disciple their own people. So I'd like to share with you a short video to show you more about the Ministry of Oral Learners Initiatives. Over 5 billion people do not know Jesus. 
Many of these live in oral societies. Although they might have a basic education, they prefer to communicate as their societies have communicated for thousands of years, by talking to one another. But how can we plant churches in these hard-to-reach places? The answer is simple. You raise up leaders within these communities and teach them to pastor. Unfortunately, most of these oral learners whom God has called have minimal reading skills. They will never qualify to attend Bible school. How then can these oral learners ever be equipped to pastor? The answer may surprise you. They can receive Bible Institute training right on their own mobile phones. The Oral Learners Bible Institute is creating an entire three-year Bible school made up of video lessons produced in the students' own language. Lessons are delivered to them on small micro SD memory cards. The student places the memory card into their own mobile phone. Now they can watch the video lessons over and over again at their convenience, even without mobile phone coverage or internet access. Imagine what would happen if a single church discipled just two church planters to start new churches in their own communities. And then these two church planters each disciple two more church planters. In just 10 years, the one church would have become at least 100 churches. Now picture thousands of churches around the world training pastors and planting new churches. Within 30 years, there could be over 1 million new churches. The Oral Learners Bible Institute, Oldie, training pastors to plant churches all over the world. So the Oral Learners Bible Institute is our largest project, our largest initiative that we're working on. Now, interestingly, the spark for this Bible school did not come from the hearts and minds of American missionaries. Uh, so early on, Oral Learners Initiatives, we mainly focused on using media as an outreach tool, uh, like using those micro SD cards with evangelism videos that go into the cell phones. And so about six years ago, our ministry director, Rob Hawks, was on a trip in northern India working with the, the national church and the local district superintendent in Rajasthan, India. Now, while he was there, uh, he was you know, using these micro SD cards, and uh, the national superintendent was personally mentoring about 70 to 80 village pastors who were illiterate. Unfortunately, this man's health was failing and his time was short. And he knew this and he said, Hey, Rob, I can see the potential in, in using these cell phones to, to deliver uh, you know, this information. Could you use this to create training for these pastors to teach them when I'm gone? And that was the spark that created the, the origin of the Oral Learners Bible Institute. And so this dying man's request uh, is, is the, the basis of this truly unique school where we use videos and mobile phones in order to train these pastors who otherwise would be hindered from following traditional uh, theological training. So when the Oral Learners, uh, our Oral Learners Initiatives began developing this three-year Bible school, our goal was to remove the barriers that are created by illiteracy, poverty, and access to, to tra traditional theological training. So uh, amazingly, in just a few, a few short years, 
we've been able to develop uh, the entire first year of this project. Uh, so the first year courses are developed about 80 to 90 percent of the second year and about 50 percent of the third year of courses have been written. Now this school is completely unique in that we're using a narrative teaching style which is the storytelling that has been used for thousands of years to pass down information from generation to generation but no Bible school training of this type of materials has ever been produced using an oral learning narrative teaching style so we have to create something completely unique. Now uh, amazingly, we were able to fulfill this dying superintendent's request, and we launched the Hindi Bible School this last fall in September with the, the National uh, General Council of Northern India. We launched OlbiHindi.com, which is the online version of the Bible School, and I was able to help create that and to get that launched and developed, as well as being able to use the microSD cards with the phone and the app. Now, each of these, uh, this, the school is a free school to students that are working with a mentor. Uh, each video lesson is produced in the student's own language. Like I said it's about 10 to 15 minutes long, and uh, we're able to, to use that to help the stories really come alive and to teach the students the stories that they are then going to use to teach others and to train others about what Scripture says and the lessons and the truths that are contained within Scripture. Now, the, the student works with, I said, with a mentoring pastor. Their first year focuses on discipleship and training, uh, or discipleship and, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I'm blanking on that. The first year is theology and discipleship. There we go. Um, and uh, the second year is leadership. And in that second year, they actually plant a house church in their village or a neighboring village. And then the third year is pastoral training, and they're encouraged to raise somebody up from within their church to go into the program so that we can see another church planted from that church. So we continuously see more and more uh, pastors trained and churches planted. Now, incredibly, the Northern India Assemblies of God has really gotten behind this project, and they're helping to promote it and um, one of the things that they've done, as I said, any student that completes the three-year program with their mentoring pastor and plants a church, when they've completed their courses, they're eligible to receive their credentials with the Northern India Assemblies of God. That means they become an Assemblies of God pastor, and their church is recognized as an official Assemblies of God church within the country. And so that's really amazing. Now, this unique Bible school that was birthed in Northern India has incredible global potential. All around the world, villages are some of the most difficult places for us to plant churches. Now, you may wonder, why are villages so challenging? Now, one of the key elements in missions and really ministry in general is being good stewards of the resources provided by donors like you. So, in order to impact the most people with each dollar given, traditional missions tends to focus on high-density populations that have higher income and higher education. It's easier to grow... Uh, a self-sustaining church, and to reach the people in those environments. Now, because it costs more to reach people in the villages, they're, because of their low-density population, their, their high illiteracy and high poverty rates, it's often the last place to be reached with missions. So how can we reach and effectively grow the church in these regions around the world where 3.8 billion people live and many of them die without ever hearing the name of Christ. Well, we believe God has given us this unique opportunity to utilize the technology that's already in the hands of so many of these people around the world. You know, one of these. 
right? They're cell phones. There are so many cell phones in the world, and we're taking advantage of that technology. We're now able to cost-effectively train these village believers to become pastors and to plant churches within their own villages to reach and disciple the lost that are around them. So we don't have, they don't have to leave their families, their homes, or their villages, or their jobs to attend Bible school. They just need their cell phone in 30 minutes a day, and they can complete the three-year Bible school program. And so this is, we believe, is one of the most cost-effective ways that we can proclaim the gospel to these 3.8 billion people, and that's to train those local believers to become the church planting pastors to reach them in their own villages. Now, currently, we're working on over 15 languages, nine for India. We've got Arabic, English for Africa, Indonesian, Portuguese, Spanish, Swahili, uh, Russian, and then I'm going to be leading up the, the Roma language as we develop that. And as we expand globally, we believe our, our goal is to see every believer become a disciple and that disciple to grow into a leader that leads others to believe. And that's really kind of our model on the, on, the, on the graphic up there. Now, before our family can join the team full-time with Oral Learners Initiatives, we have to itinerate. And uh, so please pray for us because we need to raise an additional $5,000 in monthly support and about $30,000 in cash in order for us to have the funding that we need to effectively minister with the Oral Learners Initiatives. Uh, we're, in addition to building the online Bible schools, I'll be traveling to nation to nation around the world, working with our local partner ministries that are in country that are actually producing o the over 1,200 videos that are required to produce uh, in that language for the three-year Bible school. And so we go into the countries and we help to develop uh, the ministries there, and they actually produce and do the translation in country so that we can have the most effective uh, videos that we can to communicate with the local believers and to train them as effectively as possible. And so we'll be working uh, not only with the national church, but the local missionaries and the, that local team in place and building those relationships in order for us to see the projects advance. Now, we see that God has given us really this uh, unique tool to further the Great Commission and to make disciples of all nations. But I want to uh, give you a little devotional thought this morning about ways that everyone can be a part of advancing the Great Commission. And uh, I learned this a few years ago, and I, I think it's a pretty easy concept. It's pretty easy to remember, so we're going to dive right into that. And uh, the way that we can do that is by thinking small, giving up, and go have a cup of coffee. Seems pretty simple, right? We can all probably do that, right? Think small, give up, and go have a cup of coffee. Well, let's dive into that and let's see what this really, what this really has for us. So, uh, think small. Interestingly, uh, the older we get, the more set in our ways we become. That means that if a child believes in and follows Jesus, they will most likely follow Christ the rest of their life. On the other hand, if a person does not hear about Jesus at a young age, they are less likely to ever follow Christ. Uh, the Billy Graham Association did a study. They said 85% of believers made a commitment to Christ uh, at age 18 or younger. And so with one in three people on earth being under the age of 15 years old, we cannot afford to overlook these children and the impact that they can have and the importance of ministering to them. I really believe this is why Jesus emphasized the importance of children in Mark 10 
13 through 16, which says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Now, when I was in seminary, I had a professor that really challenged my thinking about children. He told us that on Sundays, he taught an elementary age Sunday school class at the church that he attends. Now, my initial thought was, what is he doing in with the children? This man is brilliant. He needs to be in adult Sunday school class where they can really absorb the wisdom that he's, you know, and what he has to share with them and really be able to understand it. Like, I'm having, I'm being challenged to understand this. Why, Why is he with the children? But it shocked me when he said that he felt that teaching those children was as significant as teaching in the seminary. And the reason for that was that there are so much potential in those children and that when you invest in them and they accept Christ early in their life, God is able to use that potential to impact so many more people's lives. Now, I grew up in uh, Royal Rangers at my church, and so as my boys got older, I really wanted them to be a part of Royal Rangers, and so I got them into the program, and I started volunteering in, in the Ranger Kids. And if you know uh, anything about Royal Rangers, Ranger Kids is the boys' kindergarten through second grade. Now, working with kindergarten through second grade boys is a little bit less like mentoring young men in the way of the Lord, and it's a little more like herding cats. But I could still see, even in that environment, God moving in these boys' lives, God changing them as they were memorizing the scripture verses, as they were learning the Royal Ranger Code, what it means to, to have integrity and honor and courage and character and these different values that we instill in them through the Ranger program and to see them be able to recite their scripture verses and to know that they're getting God's word in their hearts. And to see that was just amazing. So I'd encourage you to pray uh, and ask God if maybe there's an opportunity that he would have for you to invest either in children or youth to pour your life into them and to think small because training and teaching children and youth about God is one of the most significant things that we can do to see the Great Commission advance. Next, I'd encourage you to give up. Now, John fifteen twelve through 13 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down or give up his life for his friends. So God has called each and every one of us to love others. But what are we really willing to give up? What are we willing to give up? Are we willing to give up our very lives so that we can see another person receive eternal life? When I felt God calling me to be a missionary, I had a choice. I could ignore what I felt like he was telling me and pursue what I thought would would bring success and happiness to my life. Or what I did was to say, okay, God, I give up perhaps my dreams and my thoughts and my desires. And in this situation, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, and I'm going to give up those things so that I can do what you're asking me to do. 
Now, when I said, yes, Lord, that was two of the most powerful words that I could have said because not only was I saying yes to God, but yes, Lord, I'm inviting him back into that circumstance saying, God, you are a part of this decision. You're a part of this, and I want you to work in this situation with me to accomplish your will. So I encourage you, when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit upon you to do something, to give up something, to say, yes, Lord, and allow him to work through you, I know that every time that I've said yes, Lord, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I've had to give up something. I've had to give up my time, uh, my priorities, uh, my choice on what I'm doing next, or perhaps uh, my resources, my money, things like that, to, in order to accomplish what he's asking me to do. But every time I give that up, I always receive more in return. Now, as we, again, as we look at our lives, God has given us each a measure of time, uh, energy and money. These are our resources that he's given us to steward. And we're to be good stewards of those things. But we're also to be generous with those things and give those back to the Lord as he asks and requires of us. And are we going to be generous and allow God to use those things to make an eternal impact? Now, if, if we have things um, that we have that we want to keep and we hold on to them tightly, what happens is we, we make a fist as we're holding on to these things. And it is nearly impossible to put anything else into a tightly clenched fist. But when we take what we have and God says, hey, that thing in your hand, I want you to give that up. I want you to release that. And and you give it up and you release that. Suddenly your hand is now open and ready to receive the next thing, the next blessing, whatever it is next that God wants to bring and put into that hand. And then the challenge with that is then to say, okay, God, you've given me something new in my hand. How long do I hold this before you ask me to give it up or to use it for what you want me to do with it and be open and willing? And the more often that we keep our hand open and we give when he asks us to give, the more opportunities he has to put new blessings and new opportunities into your hand to to see blessing come in your life and in the lives of those around you. So what is it maybe that God is asking you to give up today? Now next, we need to go have a cup of coffee. Now, the older I get, I feel as though time goes by faster and faster. But I still make it a priority every Thursday morning when I'm in Springfield, I make it a priority at 6 a.m. to meet with a group of guys for coffee and breakfast. And we sit and we invest in each other's lives. We talk about what we're, what's going on, our struggles, the challenges. We encourage each other. We pray over each other. And really, we're just journeying through life together and, and discipling each other. So again, uh, remember the the Great Commission. I believe Jesus gave us a great model for this when he told us to to go and make disciples of all nations. He modeled this for us in his own 12 disciples as he chose individuals out of those that were following him, specific people that he wanted to invest his life in directly, intentionally investing in them, teaching them everything that they needed to know about how to live life, how to love others, and how to do ministry so that when he was gone, they could continue his ministry and they could teach others about uh, the way that he lived, the truths that he was imparting to us, the wisdom that he was uh, trying to share with us, uh, you know, and God in flesh and telling us how how do we really need to have a relationship with him and how should we respond to others. And so, uh, Thinking about that mentoring and discipleship, God has been challenging me lately. Uh, when I was reading Hebrews 13.11, uh, I really enjoyed what it said. It, it says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. 
Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. I think this is a very, uh, a very good illustration of what a mentoring and discipleship relationship can look like. I found that uh, mentoring and discipleship is often the catalyst for spiritual growth in people's lives because they're able to uh, not only be challenged but, but get answers to questions they have and to really kind of share with somebody about or be challenged about their thinking about Scripture and about the truths of God. Now, one of the things that uh, I'd like to share with you, this is something that uh, someone shared with me years ago, and I thought it was really, really significant. And it's this idea of what I would call a focused mentoring relationship. And this focused mentoring relationship is uh, a one-year commitment between someone uh, that's a mature believer and someone who is growing and developing maybe a new believer. And during that year, the, they, meet we- they meet weekly with the intention of going through Scripture, of learning through things, and developing uh, this new believer into a mature believer by going through Scripture, by talking through challenging questions, by really um, pouring your life into this other person to help them grow and to develop into a mature believer. And then at the end of that year, really the goal is for that person to have grown to the place where they can then enter into a relationship with another person and they can start teaching someone else how to follow Christ and how to become a mature believer. And that first person can then uh, do that with another person. Now, if someone were able to, to do this successfully, at the end of four years, their effort would produce 15 other mature believers that were ready to disciple another person. Now, that's really great. But that's not where the story ends because this process has the power of exponential growth. That means in just 33 years, theoretically, you could disciple over 8.5 billion people. That's more than the current population of Earth. So within a lifetime, theoretically, every person on Earth could go through a one-year mentoring discipleship process to grow to become a mature believer. Now, of course, we, we have lots of challenges that keep that from happening, but I want to illustrate the point that there is power in discipleship and there's power in relationship and there's power in the growth process of mentoring people to mentor people. So let me ask you, who, who do you think maybe God might be putting in your heart or in your mind as someone that God might want you to begin investing into by just starting off with going and having a cup of coffee? So you see, it's, it's pretty simple. If we can think small, give up, and go have a cup of coffee, God can do some amazing things in our lives and in the people's lives that are around us. So this week, ask God, what parts of your life is he asking you to surrender? What is he wanting you to give up? Where is he wanting you to invest your time, your energy, your efforts, your resources? And pray that God can stretch you and challenge you on how he wants you to use the resources that he's given you. How does he want you to be generous with your time, your energy, your priorities, and your money. Well, I'd like to wrap up by saying just how thankful we are for the, I think it's probably been five, almost six years of, of support and prayers and love that your church has, has had for us and our family uh, and the work that we've been doing. And we are so 
excited and thankful to be able to bring you guys along with us on this new challenge, this new adventure we have of training church planting pastors uh, from these low literacy, functionally illiterate believers all around the world to empower them to follow that call of God on their lives. And we're, we know that with your help, we will meet our goal. We want to train over one million new church planting pastors around the world and with that be able to see a church within walking distance of every person on the planet. So please uh, come out to our display table out there, pick up a prayer card, take one, put it in your Bible, put it on your mirror, put it on your fridge, uh, whichever one you look at more, put it there. Pray for us. Uh, You can learn more about some of our our language projects that we're needing to raise funds for for individual languages for the Bible school. Uh, Also, uh, you can sign up for our e-newsletter. You can also check out our family website, thedellfamily.org. There's uh, more information on there about us. You can uh, learn, pray, and and give uh, opportunities there. And, of course, the last thing that I like to leave and share with people is whenever you see a Dell computer... Or really any computer. But if you see a Dell computer, think of the Dell family and pray for our ministry using technology to train and equip believers around the world to plant the church and to see the kingdom of God advance around the world. So thank you very much for allowing me to be here with you this morning and to share with you. It's been an honor and privilege to to give you guys uh, insight into our new ministry. And again, thank you so much for your years and years of prayers and support to help us to continue doing what it is that God has called us to do. Thank you very much, Pastor Dan.